With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are doing a combo episode. Um, I've recently moved back to the Kansas City area, so that will make it a little bit easier. But it also threw the schedule this week into complete disarray. So we're going to start. I'm going to do a, just a quick recap of the Kansas versus Baylor game. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot to take away from that. Just a few points that I want to make. But then we have Micah Allen from Cowboys Ride for Free joining us uh, to do a preview of the game coming up on Saturday against Oklahoma State. So you don't you don't want to miss that. So jumping right into the recap, you know, obviously it wasn't a very good game for Kansas. They lost 47 to 14. There was two big special teams plays that resulted in touchdowns, which caused a problem for the Jayhawks that really didn't give them an opportunity. Um, Tristan Ebner for Baylor showed just how dynamic of a runner he is. Um, and really I suppose kind of the biggest weakness, I think, of this Kansas defense is that Runners, especially runners to the outside, are something that they don't know how to deal with at this point. It's going to be a while, I think, for them to kind of figure that out because of how many young guys they have figuring out those run protections. What I did like from the defense in this game, though, was they did a very good job on limiting Charlie Brewer in his passing attempts. Now, he only he only attempted 23 passes. Like I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Baylor was so successful on the ground, but we saw some really big plays. Um, from a lot of Kansas defenders, especially in that secondary. Karan Prunty had some really good pass breakups there. Um, I think only one of them actually got credited for him, but he had some really good plays. Um, Deuce, Deuce Mayberry and Kyle Mayberry both played really well in this game, I thought. Um, and so there, there was definitely some, some bright spots for the defense, but it's going to have to be a whole lot better. Um, the one thing I will say is that Baylor's offensive line, for all the turnover that they had, their offensive line seemed to be doing really, really well in this game, causing a lot of problems for Kansas to try to get any kind of pressure and really opening up holes for the running game. Going up against Oklahoma State, I think that will be a little bit better just because Oklahoma State's having a whole bunch of offensive line problems, and, and we'll get into that more uh, when we talk with Micah here coming up. But um, you know, this is something that could potentially be better for the Jayhawks, especially as these young guys get that experience and really kind of develop. Um, but 
the big story of the day, I think, was the fact that Jalen Daniels started, um, you know, at, at quarterback and played the entire game at quarterback. He was the only quarterback that came in after all of the questions about, you know, um, was it was it Miles Kendrick now that uh, that uh, Thomas McVitie was injured? Like, was he going to be the guy moving forward? Um, it looks like they have finally decided that, or they've decided that Jalen Daniels is ready to take on the starter mantle and see just kind of what he can do with it, you know, and based off of everything that we were hearing in the preseason, he was the guy that was waiting. It was just a matter of when he was ready to step up and take the reins. And he always knew as a freshman, he was going to have some issues, you know, uh, no, no experience at all, you know, not really a whole lot of, uh, preseason lead up any of that stuff. And so there was, there was definitely going to be warts and we saw a lot of those. You know, he had two fumbles. He was able to, we were able to get both of those back. Um, you know, so that wasn't a huge issue, but there was a lot of times with protection, he stepped up when he shouldn't have, or he tried to scramble when he should have stepped up into the pocket. Um, just a lot of things that are going to get better as you, you know, see him play quite a bit. Um, and so, I, you know, I do think barring injury, he is the guy the rest of the way. So we're gonna have to live with whatever warts he has, but I did like his arm strength. He seemed to, for the most part, know what to do in a lot of situations. Um, it's just going to be a matter of getting that game experience and really kind of figuring out what it is that he needs to do. So, um, you know, there's uh, there's not a lot of other takeaways. Puka had 76 yards on 14 carries. Owen Gardner had, you know, 70 yards on 14 carries. They had flashes of things that they were able to do. Um, but, you know, both of, the, both of the touchdowns came from Puka's runs. Um, but for the most part, Kansas just had a hard time. The offensive line was having all kinds of issues protecting Jalen Daniels and giving him the time that he needed to look through the field and find people. So, um, but that's going to do it for the recap. I really don't want to, you know, look on, look at this game too much more. Cause again, you know, it was a 47 to 14 game. It was pretty much over by the time it got to half. The one thing I, the only other thing I will say is that this team, you know, seems to execute the game plan really well. Um, at the very beginning of the game and then kind of got bogged down once Baylor started making adjustments. Uh, I will be curious to see if that continues through the rest of the season. Uh, you know, if the game plan that they draw up, you know, during the week works really well at the beginning and then they can't make adjustments to the adjustments that are being made against them. Um, you know, that might be a problem if it continues or it might just be a case where, you know, people don't necessarily have the tape on these guys that they need to. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll see with this Oklahoma State game. They have a much better defense. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and throw this to an early quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll have Micah with us going over uh, our, our preview for the Oklahoma State game coming up. We'll be right back on the Rock Talk podcast. And we're back now with Micah Allen, uh, site editor over at uh, Cowboys Ride for Free. And she's been on the podcast several times. We're obviously, it's, it's Oklahoma State week. We are previewing this game, hoping that it's not going to be an absolute slaughter. But uh, to, to help us figure out if that is likely or not, Micah is back. Micah, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I was trying to decide how much I was looking forward to this episode. You know, I've, I've talked to you a few times, and we actually have a, a, a side project that we're working on personally that's getting ready to come out here soon. So uh, I'm looking forward to all of that, but I, I don't know how much I was looking forward to this conversation specifically because of just how bad Kansas football has looked the last couple games that they've had. So um, Oklahoma State, though, has seemed to have a few issues of their own, uh, you know, I, I – to be honest, I, I don't know any way to describe it other than a very, very bad offensive line performance um, against Tulsa uh, to open up the season. 
Um, you know, and it seemed like things kind of settled down a little bit, but I'll be honest, I didn't watch too much of that West Virginia game. It seemed like they might've had some hiccups along the way. Um, in, in terms of the Oklahoma state, what would you say has been the biggest issue for the Cowboys this year? So for me, uh, it's, it's going to be the O-line. I, I think our O-line has really struggled in these first two games. Um, they're young. And there was some people that we expected to come back that didn't. And so they're kind of in this still learning mode, um, especially with, you know, the short off season where they didn't get as much practice together and things like that. So O-line, I think, is our biggest place that we've struggled so far this year. Is it something that you've seen noticeable improvement from game one to game two? Because I can tell you right now, like with – with, with that Oklahoma State-Tulsa game being the only Big 12 game on that week, I watched that entire thing, and it looked – I mean, obviously Spencer Sanders going out kind of changes some of the protection because the quarterbacks are doing a little, you know, things a little bit differently, but it looked like they were getting consistently beat in ways that you would not expect the Big 12 offensive line to get beat. Did it, did it take a big step forward against West Virginia, or are there still noticeable issues there that you're concerned about? There's still some fairly noticeable issues. I mean, it got a little bit better. But it's it's definitely not there yet. Um, I think that there's still quite a bit of room for improvement for the offensive line. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, it, it seems like obviously that's a big issue and that's kind of one of the building blocks for the team. But the other kind of big offensive story to come out for Oklahoma State was the injury to Spencer Sanders in that first game. Um, last I heard it was a high ankle sprain was a diagnosis. Um, you know, again, not having watched that West Virginia game too closely, um, you know, is it, is it something that they're expecting him to be able to play through or to be able to come back fairly quickly, or are they expecting this to be a problem for him for quite a while? Um, so honestly, I know about as much as you do, um, regarding Spencer's injury, um, they're not saying a whole lot. Um, the the last that I heard was Gundy after um, after it happened, kind of just saying it's a minor injury. Um, it's not super serious. So hopefully um, he's back here pretty soon. Um, he's on the depth chart to start against Kansas, but we – in our group. Wasn't he also on the depth chart for West Virginia as well, though? Yes. So that's kind of what our, our, our group chat has talked about is like, kind of feels like they're just trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. Um, so, you know, it's, again, I'm not totally sure how long he'll be out. Um, if I had to, if I had to guess, I would say he comes back after the bye week. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds to me, from everything I've been able to see, it's like, for, for Kansas City Chiefs fans, this will hit kind of hard, but it's the the day-to-day designation, um, you know, specifically for guys like 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 Eric Berry, where they would say every single week that it was day-to-day, and then he wouldn't even, you know, suit up half the time. And so it's like, you know, that unfortunately, that's one of the things with high ankle sprains, if, if that's what it actually is. And, um, you know, your your typical high ankle sprain is something where, you could probably go at about 50 or 60% pretty quickly after it, but then it lingers forever and it takes forever for it to properly heal so that you don't feel the effects of it. 
Um, I, I actually played middle school football as a lineman and I had a high angle sprain. Um, and it was absolutely the worst thing ever. It bugged me for the entire rest of the year. Um, and so like, I, I would fully expect that even if he's able to come back fairly quickly, that he'll be noticeably different. The question then is, you know, is his replacement going to be a better option than a not at full strength Spencer Sanders, which leads me into my next question. You know, Illingworth has played extensively in the, in these first two games. Um, just looking at his stats, it doesn't necessarily look like he's bringing any kind of the same potential that, that Spencer Sanders would, would bring to this lineup. Is, is he going through a lot of growing pains that he's working through? Or are you seeing this as potentially an issue because, you know, he hasn't really had the reps that you would expect the starter to have at this point? So... Can you repeat the question? I missed the end of that. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I kind of made it a super huge compound question. So Illingworth, um, <laughs> I guess really the question is like, what is your, what is your take on him? How much of a fill in for Spencer Sanders can he be, or, or is there serious concern about him being able to lead this offense and for Oklahoma state to be able to do anything that they were expecting to do this year? Oh, I, I mean, I really like Illingworth. I've liked what I've seen from him so far. I think that he can 100% be a decent fill-in for Spencer while he's out. I think that, you know, I'm not super worried about him handling things for these first couple of games. Now, if Spencer is still hurt and we start to play, you know, OU, Texas, the, the bulk of the, the, you know, the two, arguably the two best teams in the conference, then I'm a little bit worried. But as of right now, I really like that scene. I think that he can handle being a backup. I think he's a a decent backup now. And honestly, I think that he should have been the number two from the get go. Um, so, you know, I, I'm confident in his ability to, to be a fill-in for Spencer. I think that he'll, he'll, he'll do the job. Um, and, you know, he's got an arm on him. Um, we've seen that from his first two games. Um, the only thing with Illingworth is that quarterback run game kind of gets taken away. He's not as much as a runner as Spencer is. So you kind of have that aspect of your offense that's gone. That's not necessarily as much of a threat anymore. So that's really my only super big concern with Illingworth. I, I, like I said, I've been really impressed with what I've seen so far. Yeah. So, I mean, looking, looking kind of to the running game, because I think that's where Kansas has been, like people have been able to take advantage of Kansas the most, especially in the quarterbacks, like running out to the sides or, running backs that can get out to the edges, you know, I, I, I just, from what I've seen this year, it doesn't look like uh, the, the Oklahoma state running game is really doing too much to try to get out on those edges, especially not having the quarterback able to kind of roll out and run. Um, is that something just kind of the way that this has gone so far this year, or is this, is this running attack really kind of focused on trying to pound into the line or, you know, running right off tackle or things like that? Like, is that just my imagination or is that actually the focus of the run game this year? So I think people have started to figure out Chuba. Um, and because of that, you know, you, 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 you lose that aspect of your run game a little bit. Um, Chuba has not been playing as well as Oklahoma State fans might have hoped. So, you know, you're, you're, and, and it is more of relying on being able to pound into the D line. Um, if there's not a hole, then 
you're kind of screwed, right? So I think that's been Oklahoma State's woes as far as the run game is because of, you know, we talked about earlier, the battle line. Because of the battle line play, Chuba and the other running backs haven't had those holes. Now, I have been surprised at LD Brown and how he's kind of been able to step up in Chuba's absence. I don't know if it's because people haven't been preparing for him or kind of what the deal is, but LD Brown has just kind of had a coming out party and he's become, you know, he's become a really intricate part of, or really integral part of Oklahoma State's run game. So that's been interesting to watch too. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it reminds me kind of like Puka Williams and Velton Gardner, where now it's definitely a little bit different because those two are very similar running backs for Kansas. Um, but Puka was kind of the guy that everybody started focusing on. Um, you know, and Velton Gardner has kind of made his living by taking advantage of the fact that everybody's fo- focusing on Williams um, and really being able to take it, you know, be able to, to you know, when 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 Williams is in it as the decoy, he gets the ball and he can go and do a whole bunch with it. Um, it seems like it's fairly similar for Oklahoma State. I know you go, Chuba is running into that wall just because everybody is now focused in on what he can do, has a bunch of tape on him now, um, and can really kind of focus in on the the type of game that he plays. And it, it seems like LD Brown is is benefiting from that. The question becomes, you know, are they are they different enough that you know, you can try to kind of play those two in different ways and, and end up neutralizing both of them eventually once you have, you know, some more some more tape on them. Or are they similar types of runners so that if they're both in trying to do the same sort of thing, that you can take away one but not take away the other? Hmm, that's a really good question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I've been thinking about it a lot just because of the way that Kansas is set up. They have two very similar guys that can be on the field at the same time. And so it's hard to like guess which one because they're both so quick. They both can get out on the edge. They both can make guys miss, you know, Chuba's game, like you said, seems to be running downhill, really punishing guys, um, you know, and taking advantage of any holes that are actually there. Um, you know, based off of my limited viewing, it doesn't seem like Eddie Brown is the same kind of guy. So maybe that helps a little bit in that they're two completely different styles of play. Um, yeah, no, but it I might agree. also be, Go ahead. LD, LD is also a little bit of a better from 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 what I've seen this season specifically. He's a little, he's been a little bit better catching the ball than Chuba has. Um, so you know he he's a he he's a back that can also catch. Um, but I agree with you. I think they have very different styles of game. I think Chuba is very just run out and on punish people, and LD Brown has kind of more of a I can create plays and I can go in either direction like diagonal more diagonally if that makes sense right are they on the field a lot together or is it usually one or the other not really I I, ha- I have not seen a ton of them playing together it's it's one of them is in or the other one is in most of the time oh, okay uh, yeah I'm just wondering because it's I mean it's it's kind of one of those things where you know, they can't even really play off each other then if they're not both in. So if, you know, if one of them's in, you know, if it's going to the running back, it's probably a certain type of play, uh, which can help to telegraph it a little bit. Um, You know, I I mean, it's obviously it's still been somewhat effective with what they've been able to do, but, you know, as you get into better and better defenses, because, you know, I'm going to be honest, West Virginia has 
has been better, I think, than a lot of people expected, but I wouldn't put their defense up at the top of the conference. Um, oh, you know, and, sure. and obviously it may not, it may not be an issue this week playing Kansas because Kansas has a ton of defensive problems, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's definitely going to become an issue here, I think pretty quickly. So, you know, I almost think that this is kind of the game where even though nobody really expects Kansas to really contend in this game, Oklahoma state might be trying some things out to try to get, you know, some things going for future weeks. Um, you know, as long as of course they've, they've taken care of this, this game at this point. So. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, definitely. All right. So I do want to actually turn a little bit more to the, to the game specifically. Um, and, and actually I, I have a couple questions about the defense, but before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We will be right back on the rock talk podcast. And we're back for our final segment here. So first question that I have for you, uh, I, I just want to pivot over to the defense because I think this is kind of the biggest issue that Kansas is worried about. Their offensive line has been having a bunch of issues. Um, you know, in the past, the strength of this Oklahoma State defense has been on the defensive line. Is that the same that it is for this year, that they've got really, really strong guys on that defensive line and that's where they wreak most of the havoc? Yes, I, I think it's definitely – um, the line that has made Oklahoma defense, the Oklahoma State's defense so good this year. Um, we've got guys like Amin Abogaminga, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez that are kind of the leaders of that this year that I, I think have just been playing super awesome. Um, they're making, they're making their tackles. They're, they're doing things have been fixed that Oklahoma State fans have tended to complain about in past years. Um, you know, I mean, there's still mistakes as there's going to be, but you know, it, it, it has 100% been, the line play has been significantly better. Yeah. I think that's what scares me the most is that Kansas isn't going to have a lot of time necessarily to, to really get their you know plays out to the edge like they would like to do. Um, but, you know, uh, I mean, how, how have they been Oklahoma state getting pressure this year? Um, I haven't, I haven't actually, again, I haven't watched too much to know for sure what exactly it is that they do. But, I mean, have they been able to consistently get pressure very quickly after the snap? Or is it kind of more of a, um, you know, kind of just you, you, have to, you have to move quickly or they're going to get to you eventually? Um, it's a little bit of both. They don't always I mean, sometimes they'll get the play, the, the, the opposing team will get the play off, but they're making open field tackles um, to where they're not getting, you know, significant, significant amounts of yardage. Um, but they have also, you know, they've also been able to get to the quarterback and different things like that and, you know, kind of be quick and stop the play quickly. Um, so, like, it's, like I said, it's a little bit of a mixture of both. So, so if there is a weakness to this defense, what, what would it be? Like, where, where could Kansas try to attack this defense and find some success if they can execute consistently? Hmm, that's another really good question. I would say... I would say... In the open field. Um... You know, it has gotten better, but they're still missing open field tackles. Um, so if Kansas can kind of blow past people, um, then 
that's going to be how they're able to score. Um, you know. So is is that and, a concern then? Because where Kansas has been successful this year has been Puka and Velton Gardner making people miss out on the edges. Andrew Parchment, you know, making people miss. Like they've got a lot of guys that can make someone miss um, if they can get the ball out to them. So like, is is the hope here that the defensive line gets enough pressure that they can just never get the ball out to people? Um, or yes. is there something else that they can do? <laughs> okay. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what the hope is. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess that kind of feeds into my, my next question was going to be for this specific game, like what does the Jayhawks game plan need to be for them to have any hope of pulling off an upset or at least keeping it close? Hmm. So it's kind of it's 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 kind of interesting that we were talking about defense because I think that the game plan needs to be to shut Oklahoma State out. Um because I mean I'd not shut them out, but like keep them to as few points as possible because Oklahoma State defense is pretty yeah, it's fairly rock solid, and so it's going to be difficult to score, if that makes sense. So if you can hold Oklahoma State to a certain amount of points, then that's how you're going to win. If, if, yeah. I just think it's yeah, going mean, to come down to – I mean, like most Big 12 games, it's, it's going to be who's able to – who's able to hold the other team to less points, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think what I'm hearing, though, is that the defense is definitely the strength of this team. And so you either have to be executing very well on offense or hope that your defense can really compound the troubles that this offensive line is having for, for Oklahoma State at this point. Um, oh, exactly, exactly. Which I don't know that either of those things are really the strengths of this Kansas team because, <laughs> you know, this offensive line is having lots of issues. Um, Jalen Daniels has obviously shown some, some promise, uh, when he has time to actually make throws, but I, I'm wondering how much Brent Derman's going to be able to really kind of game plan around the offensive line issues that they have to create quicker plays or really open up opportunities for Jalen Daniels to actually show off the arm talent that he actually has. So I definitely think it's going to be interesting. I'm very curious to see how this one is going to go. So I don't know that there's too much more breaking down of the actual game that we can do at this point. So I'll just go ahead and end with this. Um, overall, how do you see this game going? Do you have a prediction for me? Uh, I'm sorry <laughs> in advance, but I, I think it's going to be a, a, a blowout. Um, let's say Oklahoma State 35 KU seven, they might score a touchdown. Um, yeah, I just don't see this game being close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I could go either way on this one. Like the line the last I saw was like twenty one for Oklahoma State, which that's like right in the danger zone for me because I think I I like I could see an instance where Kansas gets out to a a quick lead like they did against Baylor, or they you know, they're executing really well in those first three or four drives before Oklahoma State figures out how to handle them in the open field. Um, and, like, they did – they shot themselves in the foot quite a bit against Baylor. They honestly should have been up 21-7 at that at, at one point in that game. 
Um, you know, they just had some silly mistakes. I think that they're probably not going to make a lot of those again. Um, and so, like, I could see Kansas, you know, going out and scoring on three of their first four drives or something like that. Um, and then Oklahoma State finally just kind of settles down and, you know, really kind of forces the issue, shuts out the offense the rest of the way, and then their offense is able to kind of get going there. So, like, I could see 21 points being right around where it ends. But but I do think that, you know, KU obviously is the, the underdog in this game for a reason. Oklahoma State definitely has a lot more talent, um, you know, and, and unless, unless the defense really kind of compounds – the offensive line issues that Oklahoma State has, like on their own, it's going to be difficult to keep Oklahoma State from getting on a roll at some point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I do think that they're going to win by at least three scores. The question is going to be whether that is, you know, they win by 17 and like they're, you know, they're up by like 24 points and then Kansas scores a late touchdown to, to go ahead and backdoor cover at the very end there or. You know, if Oklahoma State jumps out to like a 40 to 7 lead or something ridiculous like that, and then nobody really cares anymore, and they just finish off the game with a late Kansas score or something like that, and Oklahoma State easily covers this game. It could go either way. All right, Micah. Well, I think that's going to do it for us for tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, where, where can people find your work online? So you can find my work at Cowboys Ride for Free. Dot com, um, as well as at Micah Allen 18 on Twitter and Cowboys RFS on Twitter. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for joining me and thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out where, wherever you get your podcasts with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. You can just search for Rock Chalk Podcast um, and you can find us there. If you can uh, subscribe there so you get every episode as soon as it comes out. And if you give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. Um, if not for whatever reason, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Um, also, now that we're on Anchor, you guys can actually leave us messages so that we can bring them into the show. Your voice can be heard on the podcast. We can react to it. Um, we can have a discussion there. So uh, if you want to do that, just just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and you can leave us a voicemail there that I can bring onto the show. I'm dying to bring one on, so I'm just waiting for someone to go ahead and leave one. Um, but uh, that'll do it for us tonight. Micah, thank you for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.